welcome back to Learning Line. My name is Danielle Hartman, and I'm so excited today because my guest is my co-host, Matt Price. Hello, Matt. Hey, Danielle. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. How are you today? I'm fantastic. I'm looking forward to our conversation around difficult conversations today. Oh, a conversation about difficult conversations. Say that five times fast. <laughs> so let's kick off our uh, episode today by our traditional sense, which is going with an icebreaker. So the icebreaker question I have for you is what book are you currently reading? This may come as a bit of a surprise to you, but currently I'm reading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Okay. I had actually caught an Anthony Bourdain documentary on a recent flight and it piqued my interest. It's an interesting character and he actually writes really well for that to be, I guess you could say his second career because he was a chef for a couple decades first. And it's about a topic that most of us are pretty familiar with. I mean, we've all either worked in a restaurant. Um, if not, then we've at least eaten at a restaurant before. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not quite two-thirds of the way through it, but it's been a really good read so far. I would recommend it. When you're reading it, like something like Kitchen Confidential, I feel like anytime I read a book by like a chef or it's about cooking, I just want to eat the entire time I'm reading. Do you find yourself getting hungry as you're reading? Well, I... I would say not so much with this one because Anthony Bourdain does talk about some of the things that are not as appealing in the restaurant industry. Oh. Maybe how the food is handled. Or... Okay. <laughs> so that helps a little bit. Okay. Like don't get the fish on Monday or something like that. That's exactly that. the kind of thing. Okay. That's exactly what he talks about. Very good. All right. So Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Thank you. So let's move into our topic of conversation today. So today we're talking about difficult conversations. And you know, when we think about our leaders who are listening to this episode and even our colleagues who may be listening too, we've all been in situations where we've had to have difficult conversations, whether that's with coworkers, whether that's at home, with family, whatever that may be, or even with friends. So Matt, can you tell me what makes difficult conversations so difficult? Yeah. I. I... I'll do my best to articulate this one. I think it's one of those things that we kind of know it when we see it or when we experience it. Maybe harder to, to put into words, though. But oftentimes, it's a conversation where there's going to be a difference of opinion or a likely difference of opinion about it. And that can bring a lot of emotion out, um, especially if the stakes are high. So we're talking about maybe somebody's job, their livelihood, uh, their career. All of this raises our heart rate and can make us feel like we're in this fight or flight mode and the blood rushes from our brain into our hands and our feet and makes it more difficult for us to think in a moment and to have a successful conversation. So it's hard. I mean, it's all around hard when you find yourself in a situation like that. Yeah, I, I as soon as you said those things, you know, that fight or flight that comes into mind, you're right. As soon as you know that feeling exists, you're like, oh no, I have to have a difficult conversation or I am in a difficult conversation. Yeah, your heart rate picks up a mm -hmm. little bit. You know, you think your breathing becomes a little bit shallow mm -hmm. and your hands might get cold and sweaty. Yeah. You, and you just feel it right away. Right, that's, that's so true. <laughs> So when you're coaching leaders to have difficult conversations, what would you say is like the most common issue or concern that leaders have with this conversation? I think there's a couple things that come up often whenever I'm working with leaders on this. You know, one thing is that leaders feel like they need to be prepared for every response that might come from that individual. And that is a lot to ask. And unfortunately, whenever leaders get in that mindset, um, it 
they tend to put off the conversation because it's almost an impossible task in front of them to be prepared for every single response or rebuttal from that colleague. Um, so instead, you know, we focus on going into the conversation by focusing on the facts and what success looks like as opposed to thinking of, of every single response they need to be ready for. And we'll go into more detail on focusing on those facts here in a little bit, I know. Very good, okay. A second thing I see leaders getting concerned about, and it's understandable, is damaging the relationship with the colleague. So they may feel like because of this conversation, the colleague is gonna be upset with them. Uh, maybe they're gonna lose the colleague. The colleague will decide to, to move on and go somewhere else. And, they're worried about you know, keeping the pieces together in the meantime. So what we try to focus on with leaders is not having the conversation can actually more negatively impact the team and turnover because other folks on the team are noticing this behavior or this lack of performance, and they then attribute that to poor leadership if it's allowed to continue. So when that happens, our top performers oftentimes will look to go to a different department or a different organization. That, those are such good points. I mean, I think even starting out with the, the point you said there, if we don't have the conversation, you know, how does that hurt the team more yeah. than actually having the conversation, which can be the most difficult part. And you're right. It's it's really easy to want to over-prepare, which then causes that procrastination where it's like, oh, you know what? I don't want to have this conversation because I don't know how they're going to react or I'm not prepared to answer this when really putting it off is is worse than, yeah. than anything else. Um, and I appreciate you bringing up the point, too, about damaging the relationship because I think that's probably one of the key factors, too. I mean, this is your colleague that you're working with, and you you know this person, you know their personal life, you know their work life, and that's a, a relationship that it can be challenging, and you don't want to hurt them, but you know that this is not only good for them, but good for the team, too. Yeah. And that's a great way to look at it, Danielle, is, you know, ultimately, this is good for them. This is feedback that that person needs to know. Mm -hmm. um, if for us, as uncomfortable as getting feedback can be, it's something we really do need to know, we would want to know so that we can improve. And I also think the closer the relationship with a person like this, the easier the conversation can go. Mm -hmm. You've already built trust and respect between the two of you. Yeah, I would agree. Thank you. So what are some best practices that leaders and colleagues can use when preparing for a difficult conversation? I think, you know, one of the one of the best practices is to prepare. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I know that's all in the question there. Um, but we need to go into these thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. um, it, it can reduce that fight or flight response, especially if we go through it and uh, kind of using the template, which, you know, we can link in the description of this. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, a template. In the show notes. In yeah. the show notes, thank you. It's a template on preparing for a conversation like this. So if everybody will just think of a difficult conversation that you need to have and maybe you've been putting off, we can walk through one together here. You know, so first what you want to do is focus on the facts. What are the facts of this situation? Um, and we're not talking about the stories. You know, so has an individual been taking an extended break three times in the past week? Uh, that would be a fact, right? If I said this individual always takes extended breaks, that's a story. Um, one, we, we know right away because I used an absolute, I said always. Mm -hmm. So if we use always or never, uh, that means we're probably telling ourselves a story. And it's probably also going to put that person on the defensive if we opened our conversation with, you always take extended breaks. That's such a good call out, though, especially those absolutes. Like, that's your first call of, am I telling myself a story? 
story in this situation versus the reality. I, yeah. I love that. So you always do this or you never do that. Is yeah. that really true? That's that a, true? a great way to kind of check yourself initially. Then the second thing we want to look at when we're preparing is what is the impact? Um, oftentimes we can frame that in terms of the impact on coworkers, the impact on patient care, uh, or maybe our, our customer if you're in a support department, um, the impact on the individual themselves. You know, so for example, if this colleague is taking extended breaks, that could be delaying care for patients, could also be creating some resentment among the rest of the team with that person, and it could deteriorate the, the relationship between all of them. All right, so we're talking about number one, the facts and absolutes, being aware of those. And then the second tip is, uh, what's the impact? So do you have any other tips when preparing? Yeah, you know, I think there are really two other things to look at as we're preparing. So once we've identified what the impact is, the third thing is, if nothing changes, what can this colleague expect? Um, so if we continue to do what we're doing today, um, what, what, would, what would we be looking at? Um, one, maybe it's an increased risk of a negative patient outcome. Uh, maybe the relationship with coworkers is going to continue to get worse. And also maybe it's corrective action, you know, up to and including termination if this person continues to abuse the length of the break. And then the fourth thing we look at is what's our contribution? And we can almost always find something that we've done that has helped put us in this situation. And even if it's, I haven't brought it up before now, even if is I let this go on too long, I should have already said something about this. So once we go through that template, those four items, that essentially gives us our starting point for the conversation. And whenever we're in the conversation, that whole prompt to open it really should take us less than 60 seconds to get our side of it out there. Once we do that, it's time to turn it over to the other person and ask how they see this situation. Now, once we reconcile the two sides of it, get to just the facts, focus on the objective pieces, we can close out with very clear next steps on when they should be happening and who should be performing them. And with the prompt, one other thing I'll say about that is it can be really helpful uh, to practice that a couple times ahead of time, but I would not recommend taking the paper into the conversation with you and, and reading from the paper. really want this to be more of an authentic conversation, a genuine conversation with the person. Those are all great things. So just to kind of summarize, so even preparing for the conversation, again, we want to make sure we get those facts straight, make sure we talk about, you know, what is the impact of doing this? And then again, if nothing changes, how does, how does the, what does the colleague expect? I, I love that thought process um, because it's really easy to say like, oh, we're just going to keep it the same. But if we don't, let's look at those long-term consequences. And then I love that final step you said there too is, you know, what's our contribution as a leader? Have I not had this conversation with you earlier? Have I been ignoring it too? Because I think that's a great way to kind of recognize when you're coming to the conversation that I've done a disservice to you as well. So it really... Yeah can helps build that mutual respect and trust and you know we're a team and we're working together so that way when you go into the conversation like you said like it's that nice opening prompt you can kind of hear their perspective share your perspective and then come out with some clear action steps that's great and i think the the clear expectation there mm -hmm. is really important and, and sometimes that is the contribution that the leader has made you know they mm -hmm. haven't set clear expectations <laughs> up front now 
once this conversation has happened, of course, we want to document this as well. Yeah. So this is not a, an official written warning or, or any of the formal corrective action pieces. Mm-hmm. So we would want to put this, you can either email yourself and put it in that particular person's uh, folder that you store their information. You can put in a Word document, uh, just as long as you are able to have the date, the outcome of the conversation, and it's with all the other uh, information for that person. That's that's great. That's a good call out too because it is something you want to make sure you document. So that mm-hmm. way, if it does happen again, the two of you can come together and continue that conversation. Yep. That's right. That's great. So Matt, you've shared some really great insights about you know how to have the conversation with a colleague. But you know, are there any other best practices for conducting these types of difficult conversations? Danielle, there sure are. You know, we talked about preparing. I think that's probably the best thing that we could do to make sure it's a successful conversation. Also, we want to really find the sweet spot in terms of timing. Um, And what I mean by that is we want to hold the conversation as close to the action item or lack of action item as possible while still getting the emotion out of the conversation. Uh, Because if we think that we are too emotional, um, too worked up, too frustrated, too angry, whatever it might be, to have the conversation, then it's okay to wait. You know, sometimes it's better if we sleep on it first, and then the next day, once we feel like our emotions are under control a little bit better, um, then we can have the conversation. We just don't want to wait too long so that the topic at hand is stale, you know, by the time we have the conversation. Another thing which will seem, you know, pretty obvious for some people uh, is to hold the conversation in private. Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we really want to treat this person with as much respect as possible. We have to remember this individual is somebody's child. It could be a parent, could be a partner to somebody, it's a friend. Um, they have people that love them, they love other people. It's important that we treat them uh, with total respect during these conversations. So um, save them some embarrassment, um, let them keep their pride intact and, and hold it in a private mm-hmm. office somewhere. And also in kind of going with respecting that individual is focus on the behaviors and the facts. We don't want to focus on the stories that we've told ourselves or try to implant the why as to why somebody has done something. You know, we're not able to know that unless that person tells us why. That's that's a really good call out there. The the facts and the behaviors versus you did this. That's I mean, those are dangerous statements when you go in with you versus you know this is what I noticed mm-hmm. when we're really focusing on that behavior. Okay, great great pieces and the timing piece is so key. It's really easy to be like, why did you do this in the moment? But again, then there's that you statement or something versus taking that time to sleep on it and coming back. So thank you for for those good call outs too. So as we, you know, go through our careers and have these types of conversations either in work or even in our personal lives, do difficult conversations ever get easier? Um, I do believe that difficult conversations get easier with experience, but I don't believe they become easy. You know, so... If I look at my career, I've been in human resources now for over 15 years and have been in leadership for, for about the same amount of time. So have had a chance to practice these a little bit. And I think at the center of it is the conversation can still have a significant impact on somebody else. And because of that, it's not an easy conversation because we want to ensure the conversations are being held for the right reasons. You know, one that we're helping this person, we're helping the team, we're helping the organization and we're approaching it from the right perspective, from a respectful perspective, not because we need to get our frustrations out with somebody. Mm -hmm. That's a good good point. Um, I appreciate the fact that it never gets easier, but it does 
at least, you know, feel a little bit easier to mm-hmm. build your, not build the conversation, but prepare for it. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Then the last thing I have for you is just, you know, if leaders need to have a difficult conversation and they don't know where to start, what do you recommend that they do? A couple of great books out there, I think are a good starting point. Crucial Conversations and Fierce Conversations. Both do an excellent job talking through the psychology behind these types of conversations and real life examples and then tips for somebody to be able to apply. Uh, We have the resource document that we'll link in the show notes for everyone. I think that can be a really helpful tool. And then I think also talking it through with your mentor or someone that you trust that has experience with this can be a great way to get input in a safe environment and to maybe even practice it first. And I would probably close it out by saying that make sure it needs to be had in terms of the conversation itself. I think you know we've probably all had times where someone will come to us maybe with a complaint about how something is going or another member of the team. Um, also happens at home, right? I think we've all been part of those conversations at home. And it's a great rule of thumb to ask the person, what are they looking to accomplish by that? Do they want to vent their problems out and they just want somebody to, to hear them out? Or is it something that needs to be addressed? Now, if it is something that needs to be addressed, um, I would also advise holding these conversations at the lowest possible level, if, if possible. And what I mean by that, and I don't mean for that to sound disrespectful, but I'm thinking in terms of the org chart. You know, So if we have two members of the same team who maybe are butting heads a little bit, I think it can be most successful if the leader spends time with each of those individuals to understand um, objectively what is the problem that we're up against and where do they want this relationship to go in terms of being able to work together and what are some ideas to get there. Um, And then encouraging each of those colleagues to approach the other one and have a productive conversation. Um, Sometimes that works really well. Sometimes the colleagues are, are not in a position to be able to do that successfully. And sometimes the leader can sit in and and facilitate a conversation like Mm -hmm. that, too. That's a good call out. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, those are all the questions I had about difficult conversations. I feel a little bit more prepared to at least have those conversations. So thank you. Is there anything that you missed that you want to share or do you you think we've covered all of our bases? I think that's everything, Danielle. Thanks for giving, giving me the chance to be a guest on the podcast today. Always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, it's always a good time. And we'll be sure to link that resource in the show notes so that way we have that so you can go out and access it. Um, and thank you again for being here. We look forward to our listeners tuning in for our next episode. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Learning Line. We would like to give special recognition to Claire Kramer, our editor and producer of the show, and Ray Engeldinger, the composer of our music. Ray works in supply chain and wrote, no doubt, the song you are hearing now. Thank you.